Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined as ever by the Sunday Mail's Chief Sports Writer, Scott McDermott. As we look at the Rangers issues of the day, first of all, we're going to go back over the Aberdeen match, a 4-0 win at Ibrox, before we delve into Rangers accounts. Because Scott, with his accountancy degree, (laughs) um, what university is that from, Scott? Oh, God knows. University of Hard Knocks? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) No. Neither of us are accountants, so you can expect um, a a general conversation uh, on that (laughs) front, lest we drop ourselves into the mire. But let's let's start off with uh, where we are a little bit more comfortable, first of all, the actual football. And and Scott, uh, you know, I suppose the problem is that there's a little bit too much sort of happiness and light and cheerfulness (laughs) coming out of Ibrox. It makes this podcast a little boring because every time we come on, we're waxing lyrical about how fantastic Rangers are how much they've improved, how different it feels and looks this season. So so let's drill into that a little bit before we go into the Aberdeen game. Do you genuinely see a big difference from last season? And if so, how how much of it do you you see? Do you think this Rangers team are are, are twice as good as they were last year? How how would you um, pinpoint Um, the difference? I don't know, but I don't. I wouldn't say twice as good, John. I, mean, I think that might be uh, that might be a bit much. But I, I genuinely believe that there is a you know, a twenty five thirty percent difference in Rangers uh, this year, this season, in terms of uh, their style of play, um, in terms of their attitude, that hunger, desire, relentlessness that. At times last season, uh, I questioned even in games where they were where they were winning. Um, I think there's an increase in uh, you know, resilience in terms of being able to see things out and deal with difficult moments. Um, I suppose that ties in with, with mentality, which is a you know, it's a complicated issue because you've got the the fact that there's no fans in the stadium, which is clearly a factor. So that's that's quite complex when you get into all that. But I think overall there is definitely a no, I would say like a like a twenty five, thirty percent increase in, in just how impressive Rangers have been um, comparing this season to last. And you're right, I mean who would have thought we'd be sitting here on any given week, no actually you know, just going over the same positive things again and again but Rangers in some of these games and Sunday was a, a prime example have just been so comfortable so dominant so in control um, so set in their ways of how they're going to play the game and how they're going to win it um, it's been an incredible 
start to the season for them. There's there's no getting away from it. They're still a long way to go, as we keep saying. Um, but they've been mightily impressive so far. Yeah, and just to sort of clarify or to, to strengthen your point about uh, how incredible they have been, um, we did a piece in the Daily Record today just having a look at the, the records in terms of uh, the Scottish Premiership in the modern era, so the SPL and SPFL era. Um, and to put it into context, Celtic uh, have the, the record for the goals conceded in a season. Scott, that's 18. Now, now Rangers have played... Uh, 15 games and I've conceded three. Yeah. So that 18 is is well in sight. If they continue to concede at the rate they have, 0.2 goals per game, they will only let in eight goals this year, Scott. Yeah, I mean. So they will absolutely smash that record. Now, what about clean sheets? 23 clean sheets is the record. Now, that was achieved in Brendan Rodgers' era and the Martin O'Neill era, both Celtic records. They only need 10 more clean sheets <laughs> to achieve the record. Yeah. Then there's the goal difference, Scott. Um, now, the biggest goal difference in the history of Scottish football, 81. And that was for Celtic in the invincible season, 2016-2017. Rangers are well on course for that. Um if they keep going at their current rate, Scott, they would have a goal difference of 95, which would be, by some distance, 14 wow. more than the, the current record, the best ever recorded. Now, the only one of these records where they are looking a little bit short at the moment, or if they keep going in their current trajectory, is the points total. And again, that's Brendan Rodgers' first season in charge. He notched up 106 points for Celtic. Now, Rangers form so far this season, 2.7 per game. That would put them on three points short on 103. Right. So, so that goes to show you how good Celtic yeah. were in that season. But still, in terms of the other aspects, Scott, you're talking about if they keep it going at the moment, records in goal difference, clean sheets and goals conceded. Well, they've already broken a few records this season already. Um and those ones that you've just rhymed off, obviously I wasn't aware of them. You boys in the digital desk have obviously been have obviously been busy, but no, some of them do have a real wow factor about them. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and it seems ridiculous at this stage in the season. Um, no, with this Rangers team, given what they've been through in the last couple of years, but I mean, we actually mentioned the word. Invincible. I mean, is it, is it possible for Rangers this season? I mean, domestically, you're looking at the other teams, you're looking at the way Rangers are playing. No, is it possible that, that Rangers could have an invincible domestic season this year? I, I think it's difficult to see who's who's going to beat them. At this stage, you know, again, no, we say it again, it's early, there are going to be some, some bumps in the road, but the way they're going about their business just now, the way they're dismantling... No, whatever team is put in front of them, um, it certainly points towards uh, it being very difficult for any Scottish Premiership team to to beat Rangers. Um, and obviously, the, the next Old Firm game is the one at Ibrox on, on January the second. I've said before on here that no, aside from it being a, a bit of a cliche, that Old Firm games are important. I think this one is going to be absolutely 
pivotal in terms of where where this title is going to go, how the season is going to pan out for for both Old Firm clubs. And I think if Rangers get to January the third, still unbeaten, and even further ahead of Celtic, then who knows what they could go on and achieve uh, in this campaign. Yeah, Charlie Nicholas was talking about it today and he feels that, that Rangers are looking now the more likely to win the league and actually a plethora of, of pundits have come out and said that over the last few days. Ali McCoy, it's as if all of a sudden people are... Dangerous, deciding, dangerous, yeah. Joey. Dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard it all. I mean, I, I mean, I was reading some of the stuff in the paper this morning. Um, no, some good stuff in the record talking about the... The season, obviously, Rangers threw away the 15 points, uh, the administration and all that, and you know, some some great features in there, I think, with Greg Wilde and Charlie Mulgrew and people like that who were part of it. But from a Rangers I think it's, you're in getting carried slightly. At that. I mean, it's still still early. Um, I mean, one of the pieces this morning, it was, it's like you know, Celtic can still pull off a miracle. I mean, I don't really think we're in the we're in miracle territory just yet. I mean, if if Celtic win their two games in hand, I know we keep saying that it's, it's a big if, but you'd expect them to. Then you no, know, we're talking about a five point lead, and and if Rangers, you no, know, if Rangers were to slip up in the even if it is in the Old Firm game January second, you no, know, that 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 might come down again. So I, I can't emphasise enough how. Um, how early it is still of course all the signs are good for Rangers as as I've just touched on uh, the way it's looking just now it's difficult to see anyone beating them but to talk about miracles and to talk about yeah. you no, know, it's over and Rangers are going to win the league I, I think that's very premature Yeah absolutely I suppose the reason for it Scott is just how lacklustre Celtic have been this season I mean it's, yeah. it's not beating around the bush there's no point in beating around the bush you know they haven't performed I mean maybe one half against Hibs when they won 3-0 at Celtic Park but outside of that they have not looked a cohesive unit now listen yeah. they've got players who've been over the course before we know that we know the Callum McGregors of this world the Scott Browns of this world the James Forrests of this world although he is injured have been it, been there and done it multiple times before but I suppose it's just the, the the lack of any electricity surrounding Celtic for the whole of yeah. this season, while Rangers have been playing really, really quite well. But as you say, I think you're exactly spot on. There could be a disaster. Listen, this time last year, we were looking at Rangers and thinking they're looking really good. Maybe they've still got some problems in terms of breaking down some some teams uh, who are sitting in deep, but they, they still look like they're getting across the line most weeks. They're keeping pace with Celtic. And of course, when they beat them at Celtic Park, all of a sudden you're thinking, well, they're in a real, they're in really good shape here. And, yeah. and listen, you know, as much as we're saying Rangers are doing terrifically well, we were given Alfredo Morelos the kind, these kind of write-ups at, yeah. at, in December last year and he completely and utterly fell away yeah. as did Rangers title challenge so these things can happen now that's yeah, one see, player not all team see, and just Rangers on, just have the depth yeah see just in Celtic Johnny I mean I, listen there's no doubt Celtic have got their issues at the moment and if, if there are issues behind the scenes that, that we don't know about and I've heard a lot of people saying it just doesn't look right does it feel right there's something going on I mean if that's true then clearly there are problems ahead for them but we don't know that for, for certain I, I was at the Celtic game on Saturday and when I look at them 
I still think going forward Celtic can be as good and as devastating as anybody I think they've got players in that final third granted it's when Edward fancies it and he hasn't looked like that too often mm. this season but he did he did fancy it when he came on on, on Saturday against Hibs and, and him and Griffiths and Ajeti and Elianusi as you see when Forrest comes back Christie McGregor I still think going forward, no, Celtic can be pretty devastating if it clicks for them again or, or if something turns for them and, and they get going again. I don't think it'll take that much for them to get into gear in an attacking sense. I've said it for weeks though, the, the problem Celtic have is is at the back between the goalkeeper and the, the defence. And and that has to I think like calls for Neil Lennon's head and that have been been you know, pretty ridiculous in the last couple of weeks, I must admit. But those type of issues, I suppose, are we you need to look at the manager. He signed the goalkeeper Barkas who who can't get a game after spending millions on him. Uh, they've had to revert back to Scott Bain. Uh, obviously Shane Duffy's an issue, the money they've paid for him on loan. Um, it clearly isn't isn't working on the bench again at the weekend. Um, even the fullbacks, Frimpong was was badly at fault um, at the weekend. Yeah, I can't but, understand why they, they they're. I know this is a Rangers podcast, but I can't understand why they're they're uh, maintaining faith with with yeah. Jeremy Frimpong when they've got uh, Hattie no, Mohammed there, who's a very yeah. very solid, quick. Good going I'd, forward, good at the back type player. I'd, you know, he's, I'd, he's, I'd be amazed if you don't see that change. Uh, pretty soon but whether it's Thursday night or at the weekend Johnny so yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying is I think that at the back that's where Celtic have struggled and you no, know, you flip that to Rangers and that's where they've just been so strong obviously and not just in personnel but in terms of a system everybody knowing what they're doing you no, know, a real solidity of uh, or consistency of selection whereas you can no, apart from that one position, Rangers back four where Balogun and Hillander have, have switched, you can pretty much know who's going to be there every week. Celtic don't know whether they're playing a back three or a back four. They don't know whether Duffy's going to play. They're having to ask a midfielder and beat on to go back. So there's real uncertainty there that just isn't there with Rangers. And I think that has been the that has been the big difference. Now, what it would take to fix that at Celtic, I don't know how easy or difficult it is you wouldn't think it would be that difficult when you've got so much kind of firepower going the other way. You would think you'd be able to sort it, sort it out at the other end, but whether that's a, going to be a, a change of manager or a change of personnel or signings in January, I don't know. But that real uncertainty at the back, and I have to say probably lack of quality in terms of the certainly in terms of the goalkeeper and, and possibly at fullback, then. I think that that could cost them, and that's where Rangers. I think have just have just stretched ahead. But we spoke about how well oiled this Rangers machine has been so far this season, especially for a, a defensive point of view. And that's I think that's why they've stretched ahead so far. Yeah, and certainly there's no doubt that going forward Rangers are looking so much better, Scott. And and, and actually, what we're seeing is a a much more aggressive lineup. Uh, for example, in the midfield. Uh, you look at uh, who started against Aberdeen and you've got Arfield in there, Aribo in there and Jack. Now, yeah. I don't think that Steven Gerrard of last season would have felt comfortable with such an offensive outlook. No. Uh, but, but what you're seeing this term is that teams are so pinned back, they're so scared of what Rangers have going forward yeah. 
But their only real option is to ping something over the top into the channels and hope that someone with pace can catch them, which is what happened a couple of times, to be fair. But both Goldson and uh, Balogun, who, by the way, I think has been just superb. Whenever I've seen Balogun play, he's, he's been so impressive. Johnny, John, even, even at the start of this season, people were questioning Gerard when he had two sitting midfielders and saying it wasn't it wasn't enough. So even at the start of this season, he was maybe a bit more cautious. But I think you're right. I think his momentum has built, confidence has built, um, that fluidity of the front the front four, front five that, that I'm sure we're going to speak about. No, that has developed so much that I think you're right. I think a game like like Sunday, Stephen Gerrard, no, he's looking at Aberdeen missing some players and just thinks, no, we're so confident, there's so much belief here that, no, we just go for the, no, no let's just go for the jugular. And I, I think that's what they did. We Aberdeen, they, no, they smelt blood. As I say, Aberdeen missing, missing some key men. The, the game was there to be won early doors, and that's exactly what, what Rangers did. But I think you're right. I think there has been a shift in that mentality. I don't think Gerard would have picked a team so attack-minded uh, last season, or maybe even the, the very early stages of this season, but such is the such is the confidence that they're playing with at the moment. Um, that's that's just where Rangers are. Listen, we we know Tavernier's terrific. We know Kent's terrific. Um, I think almost everyone listening to this all have been really impressed with Kmar Roof. The problem is we've discussed a lot of these guys in previous weeks, and 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 nothing's changed. But I think one element that we should delve into, I don't want to cover old ground again and again and again, is Alfredo Morelos in that role, because perhaps that's the one thing that isn't fully working in the team at the moment. Scott, I have a theory about it. I'm going to uh, explain it to you. I probably told you uh, before this, the podcast started, but I'll, I'll do it again. Um, Morelos, for me was highlighted and identified last season as someone who could obviously leave the club. I think Ross Wilson's been open and honest about that, yeah. that if an offer came in, he was allowed to go. So I think Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale, when they were discussing what they were going to do for this season, they thought to themselves, well, this is how we're going to change it up and make ourselves less reliant on a number nine. Uh, and we're going to bring that number, number nine striker back a little bit like what Robert Firmino does in Liverpool yeah. and allow yeah. runners to, to rush in past the defence. And listen, that, that's worked a treat. There's no doubt about it. That's what's happened and it's worked a treat. However, it isn't really a good fit for Alfredo Morelos. His skill set, we saw a few examples against Aberdeen where he's, he's given the ball away, um, when he's tried to come deep and pick up the ball. Now, his positioning is actually excellent. He's, he's showing Scott an almost... Um, Carlos Pena level of, of position. And he's very good in that regard. Steady, steady. He, he, drifts into pocket, he drifts into pockets of space really, really nicely. But the difference between someone like Roof doing it, who's very technically proficient, someone like Morelos, who's perhaps a little bit more erratic, and he can do yeah. good things sometimes, don't get me wrong, uh, it's quite stark. And I just feel like almost Morelos this season, he's like a guy in the wrong movie. He's had to adapt to Rangers, whereas in previous seasons, Rangers have been adapting to him. Yeah, what do you think I, about that? I, I totally agree, John. I, I don't think anyone could disagree. Um, I mean, we want to put a dampener on on Sunday's performance because it was almost flawless. But you're right. I mean, Morelos. I, I didn't think Morelos played great in the game. Uh, I thought any time Aberdeen broken Rangers, which wasn't too often, but but they had a couple of 
couple of breakaways, particularly in the first half. They came from Alfredo Morelos losing the ball. It came from him coming short and trying to link up play uh, and you know, giving the ball away to Aberdeen players who then, who then broke. So I think Morelos is trying. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily a criticism of him. I think you're right. He is now trying to adapt to this new way of playing but I totally agree with you I don't think it's I don't think it's his game I've never thought and, and people kind of had a go at me I think at, at one time and I no, kind of criticised Morelos's kind of technical ability I've just never thought that was his game he comes short and link up and play one twos I have never thought that Alfredo Morelos had those type of attributes I think he's a He's a battering ram centre-forward who bullies defenders, gets into great positions to score goals, um, no bludgeons defences at times, as he, as he showed in, in Europe in big games last season. I don't think he do, wants to be outside the 18-yard box and linking up. And, do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. For me, Morelos is the perfect striker for a team that's looking to get up the pitch. So say, for example, like, a Brighton or a Burnley. Now, I don't mean to do him down and say that's his yeah. level because I'm talk- I am talking about the elite level in world football in the Premier League. Yeah. But I don't think Morelos is necessarily an ideal fit for a Rangers or a Manchester United when you're you're dominating the game. No. I think he's, he's a great striker for a team that's under the cost that's looking to get out. Yeah. And, and that's why he was so good in the Europa League yeah. when, when right. Rangers were under a bit of pressure. Yeah, you're right. And... The fluidity of this front four, front five that Rangers are, are playing at the minute, um, I think from very early on, I, I remember saying to you in a pre-season game when I was in uh, Leon for the pre-season tournament, and I think that very first game, I think it was Morelos, Kent and Hadji, uh, if memory serves me right, we had Rebo uh, behind them. And I said to you after the game, I think on here that, no, I thought this was going to be a real feature of Rangers play. There was a lot more movement. There was a lot more interchanging of positions. Um, and that was very early days. I mean, it has developed so much now that it, is, it has become so natural for whoever plays in those positions. And it was evident again on Sunday. Aberdeen couldn't live with it. Uh, just like other teams have struggled to live with it uh, so far this season. But of all the players up there, as you say, Morelos is the one that suits the least. He never quite looks comfortable going out wide. He never quite looks comfortable coming off the front to try and link up. I mean, listen, he does it occasionally. I'm no, no, I'm not being heavily critical of him, and I don't think I'm not saying he's playing badly at the moment. He's he's playing a key role in this team that's no, that's winning every week, beating all all before them. But I think you're right to, to get back to the original point. It just doesn't. The system that they're playing, if it doesn't suit anyone, it's probably Morelos. And there are probably times in the future, whether it's when Morelos leaves or before, when Roof would play that position and it would be a Kent and a Hadji or a Kent and a Rebo where they would all interchange, they would all be comfortable. Roof would be so comfortable coming deep as as he's shown already. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops with Morelos, whether you know, he continues to adapt and gets better because he wants to stay in the team, you know, be desperate to be part of a successful team, or whether as the season goes on, you know, Morelos maybe doesn't play as many games as he as he would like. Yeah, I praised Morelos earlier on in the podcast for 
taking up good positions. I, I think he's doing well. And what in that regard, and I think that what that shows is a real appetite to take on board instruction, yeah. Scott. Because yeah, I think I his do. natural game is what he's played before, which I think was why Stephen Gerrard's been very positive about him and, and been almost building him up when he's been talking about him in the media because presumably him and Michael Beale can just see how much he's trying to adapt to this new role. Yeah, and uh, you, you certainly can't argue with the fact that he is given it his all. It's just yeah. perhaps not a perfect fit for his skill set. Yeah, listen, it's a but perfect. A, but a byproduct, a, a byproduct of that, Johnny, is that he doesn't really look like scoring. And mm. you're right. You, you mentioned Firmino. There are there are games with Liverpool play, and Liverpool can be you know, devastating. And Firmino plays well, but he doesn't look. No, he doesn't really look like scoring, doesn't get a lot of chances, doesn't get a lot of shots away. But if you ask Jurgen Klopp, he'll talk about the job he's doing for the team and the reason Salah and Manny and Jota are getting shots at goal is because of the work Firmino does. Now, if that's if Gerard sees Morelos in that role and thinks he's capable of it, great. No, if he if he improves and it continues and that the players around him continue to get goals and assists, nobody'll be complaining. But it's just whether no, it's whether he can do that. It's whether he can give enough and give up goals and give up chances. No, it's almost sacrifice himself for the for the team. Um, and it's going to be really interesting, I think, over the next few months, just to to keep an eye on that and see how it see how it develops. And that's a good segue into the accounts, Scott. We saw obviously a fifteen point nine million pound loss now. We know that Rangers are being funded via some very high net worth individuals who are looking to bring the club back to its previous levels. So they are swapping debt for equity in a way that allows that club to uh, to be funded in this way. So th- th- there's no surprise there that Rangers have made a big loss, especially yeah. given the COVID situation. And you can yeah. be certain there's going to be another big loss in the next set of accounts given the situation that we're now living through and there's no fans in Ibrox. Um, but one of the big things for me, if you look at the Rangers accounts and compare them to, for example, Celtic's accounts, is Celtic had that £24 million or £25 million fee yeah. from Kieran Tierney, which really, really evened them out. Yeah. And, and Rangers didn't have a big sale like that. Now, we know that Alfredo Morelos was subject to a £16.5 million offer from Lille. Uh, Rangers turned that down don't know perhaps now if they maybe look back on that and think you know in actuality that was a deal that that, that maybe they they should have done um, but they were certainly they certainly stood firm and, and, and said they would not be bullied and accepting less than their valuation which yeah. for me Scott and I don't care if it's Rangers Celtic Dundee United or whoever it was very nice to see a Scottish team actually say no this is what yeah. we believe and we're not going to get bullied by a team in a bigger league Um but in terms of the idea that Rangers have to start making sales to begin this business model that they have clearly planned to, yep. to, to have a, a plan in place. So, for example, if a James Tavernier goes for big money, in comes Nathan Patterson. If Borna Barisic goes for big money, in comes Calvin Bassey and presumably A.N. other yep. uh, to fill that spot. Um do you think that it's going to be a case that in January players could move to fill that hole or do you think this season might be the one exception to that rule? No, I think this season is the exception. This season is almost um, kind of sacrosanct. You just, they, they cannot, 
not afford to lose any of their best players, and that's why no, the bid for Morelos was turned down. Ultimately, you're saying, do, do they regret it? Well, they won't regret it if come May, no, they're standing with a league title and no, another, another, at least another trophy in the in the cabinet. Um, listen, I, I agree with everything you've said. Irrespective of what happens this season, no, whether Rangers go and win a treble or no, however far they go in Europe or whether they win nothing at all, Rangers will have to make a big sale next summer for one of their star players. And that, no, there should be no shame in that, no guilt in that. That is the model that we've spoken about for how many years, no, that Celtic did really, had really successfully in terms of selling on Wanyama, Van Dijk, just to, to name a couple. It's been a long time since Rangers had a, had a big player sale um, and they, no, irrespective of the of the funding that they've got for, for these individuals that you're talking about, no, Rangers can't be losing no twenty million every every season. That that just can't go on. That that isn't sustainable. Um, there was always going to be there was always going to have to be a bit of pain financially, given where Rangers have come from. If they wanted to get back to the top of Scottish football, I think they're going through that now. They've had to spend. No, the fact he gives Steven Gerrard what he wants, had to get Steven Gerrard first and foremost, and then give him what he wants. But as I say, irrespective of what happens this season in terms of how much success they have, they will have to move somebody on and bring some money in. And that has to be the way forward for Rangers, for Celtic, for any Scottish club to remain to remain sustainable. In terms of who that is, Morelos is obviously the no would obviously be the uh, the favourite for that, just in terms of his age, where he is in his career, given that bids have already uh, come in for him, as we've as we've discussed, uh, Tavernier is in the form of his life. Uh, uh, I'm amazed that Rangers haven't fielded more bids for him, given what he's given what he's produced in the last certainly the last couple of years. But he is, no, I think he's 29 now, no approach approaching 30. That. No, that horse might have bolted a wee bit in terms of just how much they could get for him. But I think Morelos or Barisic would probably be the two at the moment that that could make Rangers real money. And as I say, next summer they will have to look at that because you're right, that is the model. You bring in Calvin Bassi, you bring in Yanis Hadji, no, good young players with potential and real sell-on value. That has to be the way, way forward for Rangers, whether... No, whether fans like it or not, uh, and it's going to be no, it'll be interesting next summer to see to see how that pans out. I also try and look at it a little bit from Ross Wilson's point of view, Scott, in a deeper sense, because there is a number of issues that are bubbling away in terms of the squad management of Rangers that that are are big and will cost money. I'll go to give you a few examples. Alan McGregor is thirty-eight. Yeah, um, I think coming up for thirty-nine. As good as he is, he's not going to be at this level forever. Now, you might get another season or two out of him, but I think banking on Alan McGregor being at the level he is for anything beyond this season is going to be a gamble. Yep. Maybe certainly beyond next season. 
So you're at some stage you're going to have to have a goalkeeping solution. Now Rangers may well hope that that is Robbie McCrory, for example. Yeah. Um. I've I've seen him a few times for Livingston. Sometimes I've been impressed. Sometimes he's made the odd mistake. I know that he's very very highly rated, and that may well be the long term strategy there. But Alan McGregor will have to be replaced at some point. Um. The other one is Connor Goldson. Absolutely yep. superb this season, but Conor Goldson's contract ends in 2022. He's got a year and a half. So yep. you're going to be faced with a choice at the end of this season. You either sell Conor Goldson after he presumably either wins the championship or fails to win the championship, or you extend his deal because you have to you have to make a choice at that stage. Yeah, and you, you need to balance it, Johnny. That, that's the difficulty for any director of football, but, but, any manager. You need, that, you, need that's to, what, you need to balance yeah, that's what, it by, by keeping the core. No, you still need to have the core of your, your team, your winning team. And Celtic have done, you spoke about Celtic earlier on, Scott Brown, Callum McGregor, James Forrest, people like that who have, who have been over the core. Celtic could have, Celtic could have probably sold Callum McGregor for no, upwards of 10 million last summer when clubs like Leicester were interested but decided to, to keep him because he's part of this backbone now, he's the vice captain. That, to me, would be the same kind of situation with Goldson. Looking at it right now, you probably could go and get, if, if you put Conor Goldson up for sale at the age he is now, given his form, I don't doubt clubs in the Premier League, uh, certainly top end of the Championship, but prom- probably Premier League, would come in and, and give you, you know, eight, nine, ten million for Conor Goldson the way he's playing. But I would suggest a guy like him who we know He's the vice captain of Rangers. We know how vocal he is. We know how crucial he is to what what Gerard's trying to do there defensively. So you're saying he's got 18 months left. When you're trying to get that balancing act, I would suggest that no Rangers should be going and, and no tying Connor Goldson up for the next three or four years because he he looks as if he's going to be that rock, that backbone. That if you're going to go and have continued success um, domestically and in Europe, then you would want him to be to be part of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what Scott? I was going to go and list off like Ryan Jackson, the same boat. He's twenty eight as well, you know. So there's a few players in there. James Tavern, who's twenty nine, that you're going to have to make a decision on them. And and listen, if you give them deals, it's going to be expensive. These are going to be top earning players. I'm assuming they're already on very very good contracts, but yep. to keep them for longer, they're going to have to be on even better contracts. And if Rangers are genuinely going to become a, a, a selling club um, or a club that maybe a selling club is the wrong word but a club that um, maximises its resource by selling players at the right time I think you might have to look at someone like Connor Goldson and say or James Tavernier and say well it might be painful it might feel like we're selling them at their peak yeah. you know, certainly that would feel that way with James Tavernier at the end of the season but it's the right time for us because if we give him a new contract, it's going to be extremely expensive and we're going to be contracting him for years where statistically he's probably going to be on a downward slope. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I think, is something that, that uh, Ross Wilson is going to have to look at very carefully because the other element, and Scott, I know I've probably gone on, but I'm getting to my point here is when you're selling these players, it's not just to pay... Um, the debts, or to, well, not the Rangers have debts, but it's, to, it's not just to um, ensure that the club is running to a profit level um, or running correctly financially. It's also to reinvest in the team. 
So if you've got a James Tavernier that you're looking to sell for, say, eight, nine million pounds, some of that money also has to go into reinvest in, in the next James Tavernier. Yep. So there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a big balancing act that's going to have to go on at the end of the season that I'm sure Ross Wilson's got all his chess pieces laid out. That's, that's what these directors of football get paid the big bucks for, Johnny. <laughs> it's, it's certainly a difficult one because there'll be a lot to think about. Is, and um, it depends on bids, you know, what bids come in, you know, who there's interest in. I mean, it's okay us saying... No, you, you would no goals in a tavern here, but you, you still need to get bids in. I mean, you, mm. you might not have any bids for them, but somebody might come in. No, somebody might come in at the blue and offer you no eight million for for Gannis Hadji or something because he's no, he's young, he's got potential. No, some team in Italy or Germany, or whatever. You get these bids that just come in out the blue, and you need to say to yourself, well, no, Hadji's good, he's young, he's got potential, but no, he's maybe not getting a game regularly for us. Let's let's cash in. Just now, let's make a profit and invest in the in the next guy, and that's no, that is where uh, every big club is at now in terms of the recruitment policy, the director of football, the recruitment team. There are they, they have players lined up. There is um, no, there are plans in place. You're talking about the goalkeeper situation. I don't doubt Rangers will will have a, a, a clear plan in place in terms of what's going to happen with the goalkeeping situation that'll involve Ross McCrory and, and Alan McGregor getting towards the end of his career. Um, and, and it'll be the same for, for other positions. I, mean, I, read somewhere... I suppose, Scott, that Ross McCrory has had more appearances than Robbie McCrory for Rangers so in goal. So that might be why. That's, oh, that's a Ross McCrory. <laughs> yeah. uh, Let's have people thinking that he's coming back from Aberdeen <laughs> to take up the, the goalkeeping mantle. No, I read, uh, I read somewhere at the weekend that... Um, I don't know where I read this, but that Rangers had representation at the Kilmarnock game watching Stephen Kelly, mm. who is obviously in loan at, at Ross County. And by all, I know Ross County are struggling a wee bit at the moment, but since he's gone into the team the last few weeks, I think he's been really impressive from what I heard. He had a, he had a really good loan spell at Air last season. Now, listen, I've not seen enough of Stephen Kelly to know whether he's going to come in and be a regular for Rangers whether he can you know, when Stephen Davis retires you can move Kelly up to the to the first team and you know, he, he comes into that uh, kind of plethora of midfielders that they've got but that lets you know the fact that people were there watching him he'll be another one that there'll be a plan in place they will decide on what his path is going to be whether it's going out and loan again whether they don't feel he's he's up to the standard so you'll see him you know, maybe being sold on to another Scottish Premiership club or down to England the same way a Greg Docherty has so that's the, the thing about Rangers now at least there's a fans can at least feel a confidence that behind the scenes whether it be Stephen Gerrard Ross Wilson no, the recruitment department or the people at the top, at least no, everyone is singing for the same hymn sheet. They know what they're doing. There are plans in place. Um, and that must be really, really reassuring for the for the punters to know that it's, that it's getting run properly, the way a proper football club should be, because you know, for long enough, it probably wasn't. Scott, before we uh, wrap this up, um, I'm going to give you a wee plug because I thought you had a, a wonderful and interesting piece with uh, Fabio Cardoso at the weekend. Just wondering how that came about and how you how you found the lad, and um, maybe tell people about it if they haven't if they haven't read it because it's definitely one of those long reads that people should seek out. Yeah. Well, listen, I can't praise uh, Fabio enough. Just a great, uh, great guy to deal with. Um, he'd been a guy. 
that I was keen to get a hold of, uh, or I've been keen to get a hold of for a few months. Um, but I think in the summer, when I explored the possibility of getting an interview, there, there was genuine um, interest in him for the big clubs in Portugal. He'd done so well for for Santa Clara in the in the top flight that I think he felt he was going to he was maybe going to move on in the in the summer for whatever reason. That hasn't happened. He's still at Santa Clara this season. He's doing the, he's doing well enough again. He's still at a good age. I think he's still only 24, uh, 25. So I was just keen to get him on, on his time at Rangers. I felt as if he hadn't really spoken since he left Ibrox. So between him, his agent and the, the club, uh, I managed to get a hold of him last week. And listen, he could have been nicer, very open, very honest. Um, couldn't speak highly enough for Rangers, I must admit. Um I mean, he practically saying he, he watches you know, almost every game now, even in, in Portugal. So, I think he'll be a he'll, be, he'll certainly be a fan for life. Um, I did speak to him kind of after the interview just about the possibility of of maybe ever coming back to to Glasgow. You know, if he continued to you know to, to impress in Portugal, but I think listen, I think he would he would obviously he would jump at it if the chance came up again. But he just. I think he's realistic enough to know it probably it probably won't happen, you know, just because he's because he's previous spell. But as I say, very honest, very open, good on Pedro Cachinha, uh, really honest on Alfredo Morelos. I mean, we're talking about Morelos's future. Um, Cardozo reckons he'll be uh, he won't be at Rangers next year. This will be his last his last season, and he was pretty close to Alfredo when when they were together. Um, but certainly couldn't speak highly enough a, a Rangers. Sad that it didn't work out for him. Um, and, and it's when you think back. I mean, we we obviously covered that period as well. And you know, I think everyone was hopeful that him and uh, him and Bruno Alves were going to be the you know the kind of dream partnership at the back for Rangers, and it didn't quite work out for a number of reasons. Um, uh, no, just everything didn't didn't work out for Rangers at, at that point. Um, but listen, I don't think he was a bad player, Johnny. I, I don't know what you think. Um, I, I, I thought, thought he was I, singularly unsuited to Scottish football, Scott. I thought he was yeah. a, he was a talented ball player. He always looked terrific yeah. whenever he had the ball at his feet. But the, it's the physicality of the game here and the, the hurly burly. It just looked like um, he was going to need a lot of time to adapt. And yeah. listen, we know this about Rangers is that um, you don't really get that. No. Uh, now, is he one that, you know, given time, maybe a couple of years, maybe judiciously used and and, yeah. and cleverly integrated, could have done well? Possibly. Listen, I, I think I think if circumstances were different, no, it might, it might have worked out differently for him. Um, mm. I mean, when I think about it, I mean, if you put him into the Rangers squad at the moment, is he, is he any worse than, than George Edmondson? Really? I mean, certainly better on better on the ball. I would I would think. So oh, I mean, Edmondson's not bad. Yeah. So, but, but there you go. I mean, different circumstances, different times, different manager. Um, no. So may, maybe the right player making a wrong wrong movie at the time. Um, but listen, in terms of physicality, he admits that himself. He admits that when he came over, he wasn't used to that side of the game, uh, and he spoke at length, obviously, about the about the Ryan Bowman challenge at, at, at Hamden that left him with a, with a broken nose that kind of summed up where he and Rangers were at, at that time, no getting bullied by teams and uh, no losing to Motherwell in that, that semi-final was the kind of beginning of the end for, for Cachinha. Um 
but as much as he recognises that was a kind of pivotal moment in his Rangers career, I'm not saying he was glad it happened, but he now says that you no, know, that that was part of the kind of learning curve for him at Rangers. And he says now when he plays in Portugal, he loves that physical, aggressive side of the game. He's used to it, and you no, know, that's what being at Rangers for, albeit only for a year, uh, uh, that's what it did for him. So listen, no, it was a good. Uh, it was good to get him somebody a bit different. Um, yeah. And as I say, it's, all, it's always nice when you get somebody that's that's pretty open and, and honest. Um, so I, I hope he, I hope he goes on to do well. Yeah, and obviously, guys, if you want to read that, just go on to the Daily Record website or search um, Fabio Cardoso Daily Record, and you'll you'll find it there. It's it really is a terrific read. Um, okay, Scott, we're going to call it a day there. I think that's been a, an interesting forty-five minute discussion. Hopefully, you'll all agree. You can get in touch to discuss anything we've touched upon today with me. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane on Twitter and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you enjoy the podcast, we know many thousands of you do, go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this helps the pod to get to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>